0: do this again? Yes. Take
1: two. Hey everybody this is Niall your host of the Crafting and Grafting Podcast Queenstown. This is a show designed to give people a little insight into what it takes to go out and get the life you want to live. We do this by sharing stories of self belief. Today we're talking with Erica Hasty, who has recently taken a leap of faith and taken control of her own path. Welcome Erica and thanks for coming on.
2: Thank you so much. Really good
1: to be here. Awesome. Would you like to give yourself a quick introduction and just tell us a little bit about what you do?
2: Yep. sure. Yeah. So my name is Erica. I come originally from Scotland. I was brought up there and I lived there until I was 30. Basically I moved to New Zealand about four years ago and nice. I can talk a little bit more about, about why I decided to make that move but yeah I've been here for four years or so. Not always in Queenstown. I was in uh, Wanaka before that Yeah. and um did a bit of travelling around as well, but I've been a year and a half in Queenstown and I feel very settled here now. I've been here for long enough now to feel like this is home.
1: This is your place? Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
2: Nice. Yeah, my uh, background is, so I'm a musician, I play music, and the recent change in my life is that I've now used it as a way to actually make a living out of it. So it's gone from being a hobby to now being something that I can actually do it as a job
1: awesome what's yeah. that famous quote about it? doing what you love and you'll never work a day in your life yeah because it doesn't feel
2: like it doesn't feel like work
0: yeah.
1: well yeah
2: I had a problem with that because I've been doing this for about 10 weeks now because I've been doing it for a term yeah and for the first two weeks I didn't invoice anyone for my work because <laughs> I was having too much fun
1: <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> and I was like
2: I need to actually get paid for this
1: <laughs> yeah I bet your clients were pretty happy yeah that. well
2: yeah yeah they probably thought they were on to an excellent deal but It did feel that way, it felt like it was all things that I would have happily done for free, you know, had it been in my own time, but I was just really enjoying it, and so actually it was quite a big step to then actually charge people for it, or to, you know, to ask for money for it, so that was... A big lesson that I've had to learn is that I, what I do and what I do well, but also knowing that I have to make a living from it and to, you know.
1: Yeah, but it's such a great place to start from. Yeah. You know. Well,
2: yeah, exactly. And what, yeah. what a nice way to feel about it the, from what you're doing that I do genuinely feel. Yeah. It's all just been a lot of fun and, and felt really within my comfort zone.
1: And I suppose it comes a realization that to enable yourself to continue living that life, you have to send those invoices and you have to make it work financially. Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, well, there is there's a tension between having to do what you love and being creative and things, but also ask for money. And because at the end of the day, you do need to make a living and you do need to make money. So
1: yeah. You got to pay your rent and yeah. you got to buy yeah.
2: your food. So I'm just kind of learning those lessons now, and and kind of learning my worth as well. Because when you first start out, yeah. I don't really know what my time is worth at the moment, or yeah, I've got a rough idea, but only be somewhat. On other people ask for their time, so yeah. I'm like, well, I think I'm as good as them, so I'll charge <laughs> the same amount. But yeah. I don't, I don't really know, and and it's um when you're kind of carving your own path, then. Sometimes you don't have anything else to go on. And yeah. You don't know anyone else that's doing this. And so yeah. you're almost plucking a number out of thin air.
1: Yeah. And I suppose that's kind of what's exciting about it, but it's also the scary part, yeah. too. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to ask too much because then maybe too much will be expected of me as well.
0: Yeah.
2: If <laughs> I say, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm pretty expensive, you know, and then are they going to expect something else when I'm just starting out? I want to be really good at what I do before I start asking, you know.
1: Yeah. That probably comes into your moral values. You don't want to overcharge people, or yeah. you want to give person a fair yeah. deal. Yeah, um, yeah. Um. I think that is common with every person who has kind of started their own business, mm. is finding their self worth. Everyone is. Str- I know. I've definitely struggled with that, yeah. and I was probably undercharging, underpricing for a long time. Mm. And I only really realized when I was starting to shut down my business here in Queenstown that w- we started um, saying no, we can't do it and people would offer more money. Wow, and right. realising the value of what we do was maybe a little bit higher than what I had yeah. uh, initially thought. It was only but,
2: once it was taken away that people realised how important it was or how valued it was.
1: Yeah, I think the value is just a little bit mm. higher than what I thought it was. Mm. So I guess that's something everyone battles with a little bit. It's because when you're in the conventional, whether you're working for somebody else or working for um, the school system which you're used to, mm. it's... They say, This is what you're worth, you're worth X amount per hour. Yep. And they decide, and you just accept that yeah. and go with it. But yeah. when you're doing it for yourself, you have to figure these things out for yourself.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so that's where I'm at now. So, I'm just working in Queenstown, and the last 10 weeks or so, I've been kind of working for myself and just starting a few projects related to music mostly. But generally speaking, this is going to be my life for the last four years or so.
1: Yeah, and it's an awesome stage in your life. And I'd just like to give people the full picture. Could we maybe go back to the start when you came to New Zealand and what your professional life was before making this sort of leap of faith? and? talk a little bit about that
2: yeah Yeah. definitely yeah uh so yeah when i when i turned 30 i was living in scotland and i'd been working as a primary school teacher for five years and i wasn't happy in my job i wasn't enjoying it and i couldn't work out if it was the school or if it was me or Mm. for whatever reason but i was i i decided that i wanted to quit the job so i did and I was at a point as well where I think maybe just turning 30 had just I don't know if that was significant or not but (laughs) then I was like okay well what do I actually want to do with my life and you know my friends that were surrounding me back home. A lot of them were settling down, they were getting married, they were
0: buying yeah.
2: houses, having having kids.
0: Yeah. And that was
2: lovely and I loved being part of that, but I wasn't moving forward in any way in any of those areas. And yeah. so I was feeling very very much like nothing was moving forward for me, if anything, moving backwards. Yeah, you needed just, a
1: change. Yeah, I just yeah. got my
2: job and I felt like I didn't wasn't really getting anywhere. I decided, because I had no time frame, as in I didn't need to be back in Scotland for any time... I decided to come to New Zealand because I felt it was far enough away that you can't really do it in a few weeks. You want to give it a good couple of months, and I yeah. thought I can, I can do that. I can afford a couple of months to come out here. And my original plan was actually just to get out in nature. Yeah. So I booked myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I booked myself onto the Great Walks, all of them, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> within three months. To just go and do them. I knew nothing about it. I'd never done an overnight hike, but I put well, myself on them all and yeah. bought myself all the gear. And I travelled over to New Zealand, and I didn't quite do all of them. I did seven of them, yeah, one after the other. And it just took me all around New Zealand. I mean, you know, yeah. they're, they're spread out all over. So I did the ones in the North Island, then I took the ferry over. Yeah. Did all the South Island ones. What
1: a way to see New Zealand. Oh, it was a
2: brilliant way to see yeah. New Zealand. And it was... You know, a little bit of everything because it was like I was out there in nature and I was, you know, really enjoyed. I think that really helped kind of recalibrate myself a little bit. Like I was feeling a yeah. bit frazzled and a bit like I didn't really know where how I was actually feeling. So I was just to get out.
1: It's a lot but, of time just switch your own thoughts yeah, to reflect. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. And there was, it was like full, like, I don't know, eight hour days of hiking yeah. on your own. And it wasn't necessarily a lonely experience because at each of the huts, they're actually on the Great Walks. They're actually quite busy yeah. and there's people there. But even then... I really enjoyed meeting those people and making connections. Yeah. I remember that was like the first Christmas I was going to be away from home and I had about five offers of houses to go to for Christmas dinner. So I remember thinking, oh, it's not Uh, that bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I, I kind of went through that experience and that took me about two and a half, three months. It was coming up to Christmas. I had tentatively thought that I was going to get on a flight back home to Scotland but that just didn't quite feel right at that time yeah and so I decided not to and I had really enjoyed Wanaka I'd just traveled through there as I was doing some of the Fjordland walks and just I really enjoyed it so I I decided to come back to Wanaka instead and I ended up working very much kind of casual work to start with I was working as a housekeeper in a holiday park you know kind of seasonal work did that for a while and just realised actually I really really liked Wanaka so I did what I needed to do to bring my teacher qualifications to have them kind of transferred Yeah
1: and recognised here yeah yep.
2: and then I ended up back to full time teaching which at the time I wasn't sure about because I knew I'd been unhappy full time teaching in Scotland and I'd quit my job and yeah. I thought at that time I don't think teaching's for me I think I don't yeah. actually think I want to do this anymore but
1: maybe you don't really know what it is yeah, yeah. exactly
2: and then I was like but then you go away from it for a while and then you're like oh maybe I could try it one more time maybe if it was a really good school or something I might really enjoy it because there's aspects of it that I did really really enjoy so I got back into it and it was also a little bit of a visa issue as well because being from overseas being a teacher having a profession it makes it a lot easier to stay somewhere like New Zealand because you get lots of points for it you know it's easy to get a visa yeah so I actually got full-time work because I knew I was going to be able to get a visa to be able to stay here for yeah. you know, for a good few years at least. yeah So it was a little bit of a safety you know, kind of safe option to go back yeah. into teaching. And I ended up doing that, so I'd worked over in Monica, and then I'd made a change to Queenstown, and i have been teaching in Queenstown for about a year and a half. yeah And yeah, and I'd, I'd just been working away, but still having this negative feeling of not quite being in the right place, or not yeah. quite doing the job that was right for me. Yeah. Not because there's anything bad about teaching in general, though there are things that make the job stressful that are external influences, but I just think...
1: I could see that in you that you weren't quite happy, and I thought maybe you hadn't fully settled in Queenstown. Mm. But as I spoke to you more, I realised maybe the job wasn't the exact right fit for you. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, and that just comes from like really knowing yourself. So I know when I'm comfortable and when I'm not comfortable. And yeah. the truth is, me, I'm quite a quiet soul, I'm quite introverted, and for me. Being in front of any sort of large crowd or lots of people is actually makes doesn't make me feel good. I feel nervous and I feel definitely not comfortable. And the reality of teaching is, I know there are children, but you're still in front of a crowd, you're around a lot of people all the time, it's busy. And I just didn't ever really feel that settled or comfortable. I was finding it really difficult. Like the things that were important to me were like building relationships with the students. I think that's key and that's number one. That's the one thing I'm good trust. at. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm good at that. But in a busy class with you know a mainstream class with lots of kids, you just can't quite do that. And when I wasn't doing that well, I felt like I wasn't doing my job well, and yeah. it didn't sit well with me. Yeah. And with everything else that you have to do as part of being a teacher, I was finding that that was the thing that. I wasn't doing well was actually spending time with the kids and getting to know them didn't sit well with me that I wasn't doing the best job I possibly could Mm. and the truth is a teacher and you never can do a fantastic job because there's always stuff you can do we always complain about oh I wish I could you know I wish I could do this better there's just not the time to to give to everything to make it really really good and it didn't quite sit well with me
1: a lot of people and I used to be one of these people used to think that primary school teaching was such an easy job Mm. because from the outside you just think it's a shorter day you finish early yep. and you have big holidays yeah yeah um but having spent time living with you i've realized mm. that you take your work home with you and you're preparing yeah. for the next day you're doing and it's actually you do a lot more hours than what you're actually paid definitely. for Definitely,
2: yeah definitely. And you need to do that yeah um, for sure
1: yeah and it totally makes sense when you're speaking about mm. what you really want to do is connect with the kids and teach them and help them but the nature of the job is more paperwork, checking, correcting, preparing, mm-hmm. planning, yeah. which yeah. is not really the thing that That's not the gives you thing. satisfaction. Yeah. yeah.
2: And the, the reality of it as well is that there's this idyllic picture of what being a teacher is, which is reading, yeah. sitting on a nice comfy armchair with a storybook and yeah. a rosy-cheeked children gathered around you listening <laughs> listening intently to your story and loving loving every minute, but the reality is... You've got a group of often up to 30 kids yeah. who don't really want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to not only keep them there, but also teach them things that they're not even that fussed on learning. Yeah. So the, the effort and the energy that's involved in doing all of that is underestimated yeah. and is exhausting.
1: I can imagine.
2: And even just the very basics, teaching, even just literacy, numeracy, those key skills. Mm. If you've got children who, I mean, it's been well documented in research and everything. If children aren't ready to learn, and that includes them being emotionally ready and having, yeah. feeling safe, safe in their environment, feeling safe at home, having, you know, safe home environments. Yeah. They need all of that before you can even consider teaching anything. Yeah. And so many of those things are outside of a teacher's control. Yeah, There are things you can do to make things better, but if you've got a child who's come in and who has a chaotic home life that has really impacted how they're feeling and how they're thinking, their brains simply won't work. You can yeah. do as much planning as you like. I, yeah. could, I could plan the most exciting lesson and actually that's not going yeah. to work you know yeah. or you're not going to get through to that child in the way that you really want
1: that must be difficult for a teacher uh, like you who's pays everything and tries so hard and wants to get the best out of a particular child and yeah you're just not reaching him because yeah, yeah. their home circumstances aren't good or whatever mm-hmm. reason it may be. Exactly. And then, yeah, you're not getting the results that you're craving. You yep. know? Yeah. You work so hard to get this and you're just not getting it and it must yep. feel empty. Yeah.
2: yeah, definitely. And you often feel, like I would feel very negative about it. So, for mm. example, if you had a child who was really disruptive in your class that you'd yeah. spent ages preparing, you know, in your rational mind, you know that that child is actually just not in a good place and it's got lots of issues going on. Yeah beyond your control but at the end of the day they're disrupting the lesson that you've taken ages to plan yeah. your ego takes a hit and you can't help mm. but think will you just pipe down and let me get home with teaching my lesson you know you've, yeah. you have these negative feelings and these negative thoughts that aren't actually helpful for anyone for you or for the kids around but you just get so tired and emotional that you, those, you can't help but feeling those, those yeah. quite negative thoughts quite often yeah, so I battled with it for a long time in terms of, like, well, what, what do I do instead? Yeah. Thinking ahead, thinking, well, yeah. I don't want to do this, but I don't know what I do want to do.
1: Yeah, it was kind of on your radar. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: I couldn't think of an alternative, and so I stuck with it for as long as I could. And then things just started fitting into place, which was kind of how yeah. I've ended up here. But, yeah, one thing after the other just seemed to kind of happen, and probably at the right time as well. Yeah. I, I hard to say what... Was it because of my efforts or was it just luck or was it... It could be lots of different factors as to how I've ended up here, but eventually things started happening, one of which I got residency, I was awarded residency, and then opportunities just started kind of coming into my radar where I realised that's actually an option or that's something that I could start doing.
1: I remember when I was on a sponsorship visa as well and you can't actually really plan your future because you don't know no. what your future is it yep. could be kind of at any stage you could be told you have to go home or you have to leave new zealand so you can't yep. really prepare two years in advance three years in, you can't work towards something you're yep. kind of in limbo yeah so remember that yep. feeling yeah it's a big change it's an absolute change of feeling when you do get residency and you realize oh there's a world of possibilities and take control of your own future yeah for yeah.
2: sure And you're you're even stuck with things like you have to work full-time, for example. Yeah. Or you have to be earning over a certain amount. And there's reasons for that. They don't want lots of people here from overseas with not enough money to get by and, and, you know... Struggling financially, but it does limit you on the jobs that you can apply for. And if you want to change jobs, you have to think carefully because you have to make a visa application, which is hundreds of dollars. And so, it definitely does impact your decision making when it comes to work.
0: So.
1: Yeah, for sure. I just wondered when you were speaking and you were saying it's just a, kind of like a perfect storm, everything came together at the right mm. time. Was COVID a, a factor in that? Because I think a lot of people maybe had time to reflect on their careers, what they were doing with their lives yeah. through lockdowns and stuff. Yeah,
2: definitely. I wonder if that's
1: true for you as well.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Especially, yeah, because we'd had time obviously away from class, so when we were in lockdown, teachers were still continuing with learning, but it was very looked very different. Yeah. And... I remember being very happy in that time. I really enjoyed lo- lockdowns and being at home yeah. and still keeping in touch with students but not being in front of them in the physical environment I found very you know, suited me just fine. And it was then when we then went back into class. I had a really difficult first week or so when we were back in right, class. Yeah. The reality of being back in the physical environment, which is quite chaotic at times yeah. and and that was a sign for me, a reminder yeah. that this this actually does make you feel uncomfortable being in these, you know, these situations. Yeah. And it was it took stepping away from it, realising how happy and content I was, and then going back yeah. into it again. And
0: yeah.
2: being like, oh yeah, no, I really don't enjoy this aspect. And I settled into it again and I did get by. But that was an interesting yeah, and you're right, I'd kind of reflected on that and then to go back and have it confirmed again.
1: Sounds like it's like a little voice in your head that's whispering at the start and Mm. it's getting louder and louder. And then when you went back to school, it's almost screaming at you. It's like something is not right here. Yeah, exactly,
2: exactly. This isn't your full comfort zone, you know? And I know that you don't want to be in your comfort zone all the time. I know they say, like you know, you need to push yourself a little bit. Yeah. But I'm talking really like a sustained period of time in environments that I didn't find was helpful or it made me feel at ease. Yeah. And actually that does take its toll over time.
1: Yeah, so you definitely identified something was not right Mm. and instead of just complaining about it and said, this is my lot, uh, you decided, well, I'm going to do something about this. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, But I didn't know what. (laughs) I
1: remember you spoke about studying, going back to university at one point and I suppose you were trying out different ideas in your head. Yeah.
2: yeah. So I think that's what I did was I, I didn't know exactly what path I wanted to take but I was just open to different ones. I started reading up on different university courses. I did think about study. I thought about different jobs. Yeah, and I just started playing around with different ideas and what, what sit well with me, what are things that I was like, yeah, I think I could do that. And I did start taking some action. For example, I thought about studying audiology, which is about hearing and things. That's something yeah. that i have been interested in. And there was a course came up to learn sign language. And, and I took it, because I remember thinking, I was like, well... I wanted to go into audiology, that can be something that's super helpful because you're often dealing with people who are hard of hearing or completely deaf, so sign language is something that's helpful.
0: Yeah.
2: But I didn't know for sure that that was definitely going to help, and I also have ended up not going down that route either, but I wouldn't say that time was wasted because it was still something I wanted to learn myself anyway,
0: Yeah.
2: and I've ended up using it now. In my music programs, because I try and bring lots of different languages to real Maori and a little bit of sign language as well. So I'm still using it, but at the time I didn't know what purpose it would hold other than this might be useful in the future. And I genuinely have an interest in it anyway. So I just started doing little things like that, that were investments in myself. But I wasn't really sure what for. <laughs> but yeah. I, I suppose at that point I didn't have to know what for. That's
1: a personal growth. Yeah. Mm.
2: And and I just started keeping an eye out for opportunities. Not necessarily taking them all, but just being aware of what was going on around and really thinking about things that came up. For example, there was other teaching jobs coming up in, in the area. Yeah, yeah. And a job would come up and, you know, I'd be at a school that I'd be like, oh, I'd quite like to work there. Um but I, I thought about it, I thought carefully about it, and what I, the decision I came to was, actually, I don't think moving into another teaching job is going to be the thing that's going to help. Yeah. Here. I actually yeah. think I need to move away from full-time teaching. Yeah. So, it was like, the opportunities were there, but I yeah. didn't necessarily take them all.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, and that must be scary, you know, moving away from teaching, because you yeah. said maybe eight years of a career, yeah. it's what you know, it's yeah. safe, it's a guaranteed job. Yeah. Um,
2: and it's part of your identity. It's a really easy thing to yeah. answer when someone says, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a primary school yeah. teacher. And everyone can identify with
1: that. Yeah, yeah. they'll go,
2: oh, wonderful. You Because yeah. they're thinking of the idyllic job yeah. of holding a storybook up with all those lovely children that are listening to the story. I was trying to think of ways that I could use what I am good at, because what I was good at was, work, you know... Building a relationship with kids, teaching—I am good at actually teaching, yeah. especially on more small groups. Basically, either one on one or, or yeah. like you know, maybe groups of five or eight kids. Yeah, that's my prime. Like that's when I work best.
1: Yeah, you're most effective. Yeah, yeah.
2: and I—I I tried to build that into my own teaching when I was full-time teaching as much as possible because I yeah. knew that's what I worked best at. But it's not always—you can't always do it. But I knew that about myself, so I was like, how could I use that? <laughs> Uh, but not in full-time teaching. And there was lots of different ideas that I had kind of bouncing around my yeah. head. And in the end, actually, when I decided to, to quit, because I, I got residency and then I decided that I was going to leave teaching, and the reason that the path that I was going to take was I was going to try go down the route of teaching violin, teaching mm. violin and maybe piano privately, one-on-one.
1: So that's combining what you love from your personal life, music, with what from your professional life you're good at is teaching. Exactly.
2: Uh, So it was kind of taking those things together because I'd been teaching one student for a year already, just one, just to get the feel of it because I'd been playing, like I said, I'd been playing myself since I was really, really young, playing the violin and as a hobby and really yeah. enjoyed it for such a long time. Then, But I hadn't ever actually taught, which is ridiculous because I'm a, a good violin player and a good teacher. Yeah. So why I couldn't have put those two things together <laughs> years ago, I don't know. Yeah. But it took till now. So I, I, I tend to tried it out. And with that one student, it worked really well. I really enjoyed, you know, it was cause one-on-one tuition. And I realised that I can, in fact, teach someone how to play twinkle twinkle on a violin
0: yeah
2: I I do have the knowledge that I need as well as the teaching experience which I realized was actually going to be really helpful in that role so I decided as you've taken
1: those little steps your confidence has grown with each one yeah
2: exactly but I had to test it out like that's what I saw as I was like I'm going to try this I'll just take one student on just see how it goes as opposed to chucking everything at you know throwing everything I, I just thought I'd try it
1: just gives you some kind of reassurance that yeah. you're doing the right thing then
2: it might be a good idea but having said that there was an element of because when I actually made the decision of of the term mm-hmm. and the only thing I had that I knew I would be able to get income from was that one violin student <laughs> yeah, yeah. a week it was yeah. one half hour lesson a week
0: that's and not going to pay the rent no it's no. not going
2: to pay the rent so there was a time where I had to make the decision before anything else was lined up because yeah. I wasn't in a position to line up more students while I was still full-time working yeah. you know I had, kind of had to make the decision first make the space
1: that's the leap of faith
2: yeah so yeah. there was there was an element where I did have to just jump and yeah. not know where
1: I was going to land you just trust that it's going to work out yeah. Um, yeah
2: but by that point I'd really thought about it i thought of all the worst-case scenarios and realised that none of them were that bad. Yeah. And and then just thought, yeah, I think I'd, I just need to go for it and give it yeah. a shot. And lo and behold, I mean, what's happened since then is <laughs> work has just come trickling through from all sorts of different yeah. places.
1: Not trickling, flowing. Oh,
2: flowing, yeah, yeah. I've I've been saying no on a regular basis yeah. to things because... It turns out that actually when you give yourself the space and you're available yeah. and you've got the skills that I have, turns out that people do do want it. And a lot of the time it's for things like relieving and people just need covers. Yeah. I know teaching there's a very, there's a shortage of teachers at the moment, people off sick. So perfect storm. It is, yeah, it is a little bit. I'm in I'm in demand in terms of what I've done before, but also the things I want to move towards. So I'm basically moving towards I'm still doing my private teaching violin and piano which I love and I've now taken on a lot more students I'm now about 25 students now as opposed to just that one and I'm doing that alongside I've started up a preschool music program so teaching music to two to five year olds or I say teaching music it's really just experiencing music at that age It's, it's all about play and games and singing and getting out scarves and beanbags and all sorts of things there's a lot of movement involved in it as yeah. well sounds like
1: a lot of fun
2: yeah yeah so mm. the local music school had approached me about they'd, they'd wanted to develop a preschool program because in their mind they were like if we can get kids preschoolers to get the musical basics of rhythm and musical concepts and listening and pitch and things like that yeah. then by the time they get to say six or seven years old and they want to start learning piano for example yeah. they'll have those key skills already as yeah. a base. Yeah. Which is a fantastic idea and I'm completely, you know, um, behind that. Yeah. And and I think it's a great idea.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and there's a lot of research to the impact that music and movement has on your brain as it develops. And of course, your brain is developing at an extraordinary rate yeah. at that age. yeah. And it's just so valuable in terms of building a whole brain. You can do the academic stuff, and you can have them writing their letters and things, but that's really only one part of your brain. But if you can't connect it to the creative side and to the emotional intelligence side, those are the things that once you combine them all together will make you a successful human being later down the line because you can not only learn the academic stuff but then you can apply it in different ways or you can work with others. And, you know,
1: there's lots of things that- Yeah, that might be the very starting steps of learning, you know, listening.
2: Yeah, yeah. You have yeah. to
1: listen to learn. Listening, yeah, yeah exactly. Social skills with other yeah, kids.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, like there's all yeah. of that. Even things like, I don't know, I get the Coordination. Kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of balance that I do. Fine motor skills, I get yeah. them sort of tapping, wooden spoons. Yeah. That will help them with their handwriting later on in life. Yeah. So I've, it's actually a stage of learning that I'm really passionate about. And I suddenly realised I, like, I could actually do something that really impacts that age and that I'm good at and that I've got the skills to do. So I started very satisfying. Yeah, very satisfying. So I started off doing two classes a week for preschoolers. Not really knowing how it would go down or if there was even a market for it but we thought we'll put it out there and we'll see and you know a few people came to the first class and i had four at my first class and i had maybe six at my second class and it was like fully booked yeah. <laughs> after that it was like wow you know word got out and people so, started so turning that must up be
1: like a massive endorsement though, yeah what you're doing, you
2: definitely know. definitely um and not every class i mean it kind of got really really busy for a while and then it kind of trickled off a bit and i remember thinking oh maybe it was just the initial enthusiasm and people aren't, aren't actually that yeah. turned out that everyone in Queenstown was sick <laughs> in like the same week <laughs> yeah. and no everyone was off for about a week. So and and it, young kids would understand. Yeah, that. oh yeah, for sure. Was for sure. Was going around yeah. And stuff. yeah, that's the reality of preschools is that age they do get yeah. sick a lot. Um so almost knowing that kind of made me feel better because I was like it's not just me, it's not just there was an interest in the class, it's more just yeah. life. And and then it picked up again and it's been consistent for the rest of term and I've had really good numbers and, and lots of very positive feedback parents love it and have really like having something like this there are there are things like this already in queenstown yeah but not on a big scale um and there's just sort of one or two opportunities so this is just another thing for people to take their preschoolers to and they loved it and they they can see the value in it they they want their kids to be experiencing these things
1: it must be amazing feedback i'm just thinking for you like to be helping the kids and the future of this community you're part of i remember when we were setting up rustic soul and we did lots of initiatives within the community because yeah we thought this is where we're going to live we want to be a part we want to contribute and Mm. it's the same for you as you're finding your feet here and this is the nice fit for you yeah it must give you a lot of yeah just good feelings i guess Yeah, yeah definitely
2: and it's it's even better that because it's what i'm good at and i feel that it's not only is it something i'm good at but it's something that people are willing to pay for at the end of the day they are you know it's it's also supporting my living as well so it's like I find this sweet spot between something that I enjoy doing because there's plenty of things I enjoy doing I enjoy I enjoy tramping but I'm not not gonna I'm not gonna get paid for that so this is another thing that is actually of value and I feel like I've just found something that works well for me and works well for the community yeah and it's just win-win all around yeah
1: i know you personally and i've seen you when you were struggling with um your teaching job
0: yeah and i've
1: seen the transformation and i really feel like you just caught a wave saw an opportunity and you're just riding that wave with a big smile on your face and it's bringing more and more opportunity to you and it's awesome to watch so i'm really happy for you
2: it is and it does still feel very much like early days and so because like i said it's only been about 10 weeks or so yeah. And yet within that t- those 10 weeks, already I can just see so much potential for, for yeah. the things I've just started doing. And I think that's where the excitement comes from. It's like, well, where could I go with this? Because I feel yeah. like there's lots of different avenues I could take. Yeah. And, and that's just really exciting. And it's exciting to know I've got the flexibility to do that. For example, I've already, I've already thought about, you know, I'm looking at the next 10 weeks. You know, I'm kind of mm. thinking about the, the, the next term what I want it to look like, and I'm already moving things around, I'm already saying no to a few things that yeah. I think, well that's not really singing to my strengths, so I'm actually just going to put that aside yeah. to give more space and more room for the things that really do. Yeah,
1: that's so, awesome. So yeah.
2: yeah, I can kind of build my, I'm trying to build my my week in a way that that does work for me and yeah. that makes the most of the things that I really enjoy doing. Yeah. So.
1: Yes, yeah. Yeah, it just reminds me of when you say no it actually gives you a lot of power. You realize that you're yeah. in control and yeah, you have choices.
2: Definitely. I and and I it. think there's a way of doing it nicely. I think I've said no a few times and realized that the, the earth didn't stop turning yeah uh, people still yeah. like me personally yeah. uh, I've been able to say it you can say it in a respectful way that people appreciate yeah and and actually when they see that it's something else that I really prioritize and yeah. and that I'm really excited about I'd really love to put more into this other project which yeah. is worthwhile they see that and they're okay with that you know they understand yeah. people have got to do what's right for them and you know, I'm not saying no just to be awkward. <laughs> I remember
1: because at, there was times when we were really quiet in business and we were just grabbing and hoping to get any kind of work. Mm. And then when it flooded through and we were loads of people wanted us to do stuff, it was so difficult to say no because I right. feared being back in that position.
2: Oh, of having like, nothing. Yeah,
1: and it, it came, obviously, through my evolution, a stage where I had to say no. Mm-hmm. And I was afraid of doing it all the time. And then when you actually say no, you realise it's not such a bad thing right. you can do it right and, and did yeah. you
2: find that that had repercussions further down the line do you think it negatively impacted your business
1: saying no saying no 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 positive yeah. actually yeah, right. you know it's people think of no as such a negative word but yeah. it brings positivity it did for me anyway yeah. and it, it it also um goes into that whole value of yourself sort of thing mm. you realize your own value a little bit more when you do say no that actually people yep. are willing to offer you more or mm-hmm. they really want your services or, yep. yeah yeah
2: and it also means that those things that you've said yes to, you'll you'll actually do a good job of. Yeah. As well. Yeah. So the things that gives you the space to actually do your best at what you've already got, which yeah. in the long term builds your brand, builds your reputation because yeah, you've actually done a good job. Whereas if you'd taken all of those jobs on, there's no way you would have done them well. Exactly. You, know, you might have done them but not to yeah. the not to the standard that you were striving for.
1: Exactly, yeah. And for you, it's the same, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I figure... I'll, you want to give people... I want to do it well, The best yeah. service you can.
2: Yeah. I read... Um, I don't know if you've heard of Cal Newport. Do you know no. Cal Newport? He's an American academic who yeah. talks a lot about productivity mm-hmm. and he talks about digital minimalism, which is super interesting. Uh, he's written a couple of books, but one of his books is called So Good They Can't Ignore You. Yeah. and it's to do with what he he sees as success or to make you know to become successful he says find find something that people find valuable and that you're really really good at and no one else is really good at yeah and you can't help but be successful. Because if you're the only person around that can do this thing really, really well, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a passion of yours, and it doesn't necessarily have to be some sort of, you know, really exciting creative pursuit, you know, whatever it is, if you can do it well, people will pay you to do that thing because yeah. you're the only one that can do it. And I think that was really good advice. And that's where I feel like I'm at now. I've got this really unique combination of skills where I'm, I'm musical. I've got a musical background, teacher training. Yeah. It's very um, unique to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I've got this. There are all these different skills and abilities that have all come together to mean that I could actually do this thing, one thing really well, I think. I hope I can do it really well. But I thought that was really good advice. He's, yeah. He kind of advocates for that as opposed to, I think there's this, not expectation, but there's this presumption that there's this perfect job out there for everyone and that we're just somehow going to come across this perfect job. (laughs) Um, But actually, he kind of flicks it around and he's like, well, no, actually, you've kind of got to carve your own, not carve your own job out of it, but, you know, just become really, really good at something. And then sometimes jobs do create themselves for you, if you find yourself... You know really good at something
1: and maybe take an opportunity when it arises yeah yeah, yeah.
2: looking out for them and, and yeah. making the most of the opportunities yeah
1: and I think we're going to finish this episode here um, Erica and I went on to speak about so much more but for the first episode I decided to keep it bite-sized we may do a part two in the future uh, what follows is a song Erica composed herself and recorded with her friends at music by choice uh, give it a listen it's a really nice song also, check the description for any books, spans mentioned, um, any links to Erica's social media handles, etc. And thanks for tuning in.